What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Big Blue in the Bronx podcast. Be sure to hit that like button, comment, and subscribe. Turn on post notifications so you know when a live stream pops for your jobs. Appreciate y'all coming back. Uh, also, give us five stars on Apple Podcasts and uh, share this out. Very important. So, real quickly, I know I did a video on it, but I also want to do a little introduction here. Obviously, you're not going to see it on podcast platforms because that's the audio version, but the video version is on YouTube. And once again, shout outs to my man, Hey Is, for giving me this awesome poster. You got Yankee Stadium on the left, you got MetLife Stadium, even though it's a, a trash can or a glorified toaster. Uh, you got MetLife Stadium on the right. That's actually from 2021, that picture, uh, when they versed the Falcons. Um, you also got behind me, below those two pictures, home of Yankees and Giants content. And, of course, at the top, you got Big Blue in the Bronx. So uh, I absolutely adore the fact that uh, Hayes decided to get me a poster like this as my backdrop. Much appreciated. I'm going to turn the camera a little this way so we have it you know, in the picture fully. But... Uh, uh, Shasta Hayes once again Giants fans you have to be hype about this game and if you're not I'm questioning your loyalty as a fan I don't know why you wouldn't be hyped up for this game this game is going to be one of the bigger games we've seen all year in the last few years and for the first time for the first time just give me one second for the first time in a few years guess what the Giants get to do the Giants get to control their own destiny to the playoffs, and I will be there. It's going to be the, one of the more exciting games I've ever went to, thrilling, heartbeats, all that's going to be a part of the experience, and you know, who better against the Colts? Now, the Colts will give us trouble, because the Giants really never make it easy, that's kind of their mantra, that's kind of their theme. And, you know, obviously we're depleted in a couple of areas that the Colts can take advantage of. Um, we got some injuries. Not too many, but it's getting, you know, down in terms of size. Some guys are going IR. Some guys are slowly coming back. We'll go over first thoughts, which is basically what we're doing right now. Injury report, 2022 stats and analytics, things to look for, players to watch, questions to answer, keys to win, score prediction. Of course, at the end, we have an interview with Derek Larger of the Bring the Juice podcast. It is a Colts podcast. He does a very good job on there. And we had a really nice interview, really nice discussion talking about this game. So there's that. Uh, Giants, I know I'll talk about it a little bit more at the end. Control your own destiny. Win this game. You know, obviously we're dealing with some adversity, but win this game. I don't think it's going to be easy. I don't think it's going to be pretty. It's not going to be some 27-10 victory. But the Giants need to win this game. Giants need to win this game because there's a lot on the line and you really don't want to be putting it in the hands of different teams to go ahead and do the job for you. Because the Eagles, I mean, they very well could rest the starters in week 18, but they may not. You know, they could still keep some starters out there. Just to kick our ass. So, and to be completely fair, a lot of Colts fans, they're on the Giants side uh, this week because they are rooting for an essential tank. Because, well, what left do they have to play for other than draft picks? So there's that. Um, but appreciate it, guys. We're going to have lots of fun. I know some followers of mine are joining me. I want to shout them out real quick. 
Uh, some followers of mine are joining me on Sunday. Uh, me and Donald of the Boys and Big Apple podcast and also Pinstripe Chronicles and Nerding Out Sports will be there in person. Also, uh, Nimmer, Matt Riley, Unpopular Opinion Sports. Please go subscribe to him. And uh, Evan Spitzberg, another loyal supporter, is going to the game. So we're going to have lots of fun. It's going to be a great experience. But time to get to that injury report. Uh, let's go to the Colts first. Ashton Doolin, wide receiver. He's out with a concussion. Kylan Granson, tight end. He is out with an ankle injury. Rodney McLeod will play. Uh, it was veteran rest basically the whole week, or at least the first half of the week, second half of the week he practiced. Kenny Moore, their nickel corner, ankle injury. He will not play. And Yannick Ngakwe, questionable with throat injury. Maybe it's a throat illness, but... Uh, he had some full practice on Friday. He looks like he's going to play. For the Giants, Dexter Lawrence is going to play. Leonard Williams is going to play. Um, to be completely fair and transparent and honest, as we like to say on here, I thought Adoree was going to play this week, and I thought Aziz wasn't. That's now flipped. Aziz Ojolari is questionable. Brian Dable said he's probably going to be good to go. He sprained his ankle against the Vikings, did not come back. So I guess, you know, an eight-day rest will do good on his ankle, some ice, all these other things. Uh, limited practice, but Adori is doubtful with a knee injury. Uh, limited practice all week, which is a step in the right direction. But at the same time, um, you know, you could do a multitude of things if the Giants end up clinching this week. You could either play Adori for reps, which you could, but also you don't want to get your starters injured. Uh, especially in a kind of meaningless game, unless you want to bump up the seeding, but the Giants are most likely getting that six seed. And um, what you also could do is rest Adoree Jackson another week to the playoffs, which is most likely the trajectory of Xavier McKinney. And I'm very, very happy he's slowly making his way into a return. So probably not next week for McKinney. Um, unless they do want to play the starters, but hopefully those two guys, most likely those two guys will be back for the Giants first playoff game with Brian Dable as head coach, likely against the San Francisco 49ers. And if I'm going to be completely honest with you guys, I'm going to be completely honest. I don't know how seeding usually changes. I don't know the difference in records between the 49ers and the Vikings, but I'm going to root for the Packers this weekend. Why am I rooting for the Packers? Why? You know, has nothing to do with our game. I want to play the Vikings again. Because if we match up like we matched up against them last week, we could win. Obviously, they would have some familiarity with us. We'd have familiarity with them. And I think we get a better chance to win against the Vikings and the Niners because offensively, I don't think we'd be able to score a lot because their defense is immaculate. The Michael Ryans does a really good job over there. Uh, in terms of Brock Purdy, he doesn't really scare me. I think they'll probably have Debo back for the playoffs, though, so there's a little bit of a threat there. Uh, overall, though, I do want to play the Vikings, so I'm going to root for the Packers this weekend, and hopefully the Vikings lose one of their last two. That bumps them down to the third seed, which would have the Giants playing them as the sixth seed. So let's get into those stats and analytics. Um, in terms of the Colts, offense 28th in total yards per game 23rd in passing 25th in rushing 31st in points per game uh just a little spoiler alert i usually don't want to give spoilers but i do sometimes uh to the interview Derek says this is one of the worst offenses in colts history which you know by 
common knowledge and just visuals, yeah, probably one of the worst. But defensively, they are 11th against the pass. They are 11th in total yards per game, 20th against the run, and 25th in points per game. You take a look at the analytic part. Offensively, they're 9th in pass percentage, 24th in run percentage, 7th in pass percentage on first down, 25th in run percentage on first down. Then you take a look at their defensive analytics, 27th in blitz percentage, 4th uh, excuse me, 14th in pressure percentage and 6th in sacks. So the defensive side of the ball is better than the offensive side of the ball. That, in my personal opinion, with the Giants' weak offense, you know, don't let last week fool you. The Giants are still very limited on offense. They still have problems executing, whether it's talent or penalties or this, that, and the other thing. Uh, they still have some problems on offense, and the rest of the league knows that. But uh, that's where the challenge is going to be. I don't think it's going to be anything for the Giants to worry about defensively. But please send as many blitzes as possible, Wink Martindale. For the Giants, 20th in total yards per game on offense, 27th in passing, 6th in rushing, and uh, 20th in points per game. Defensively, 27th in total yards per game. I think uh, a lot of that, to be completely honest with you guys, is a little over-exaggerated because that Eagles game, I don't think they're actually... 27th in terms of a total defense they're much better but they are 19th against the pass 29th against the run 21st in points per game offensive analytics they've bumped up the passing a little bit a little bit lower in the rushing category than they were last week but really doesn't change too much 25th in pass percentage 8th in run percentage 28th in pass percentage on first down 5th in run percentage on first down um the giants are first in blitz percentage which we all knew First in pressure percentage. Now, obviously, a lot of people refer to the uh, the phrase "pressure breaks pipes," and uh, a lot of people stick to that. Wink sticks to that. It's good to see the Giants are first in the pressure category because we know now that they're getting to the quarterback a little bit more. And they were in the low twenties, mid twenties, and sacks. Now they're fifteenth. So there's a progression being made. Not like you know the first year under James Betcher where we were like. 30th in sacks or whatever there was really no development there um but yeah so there's that things to look for um the Colts last week had some success on the ground running the football with Zach Moss they may go to that but to be completely fair you look at the game they stuck with Foles passing the football and it wasn't very good in terms of an offensive result with production though once again Zach Moss had his uh, 5.4 yards per carry whatever it was they stuck to a passing offense so you could be looking at two things which is most obvious a they either go to Zach Moss and take advantage of this very porous Giants run defense though they kind of had a similar opportunity last week against the Chargers or they stick to pass and probably uh you know have a lesser result on offense so there's that and one more thing before we go to one defensive thing in specific giants go back to the run or balance philosophy i personally think that this is going to be a game where the giants are run first again stefan gilmore um you know he's playing at a really good level for his age for the stage of his career and all these other different things they do have some weak corners, though. Uh, Brandon Faison we'll talk about. We'll talk about Isaiah Rogers as well. Um, they have some really good linebackers in terms of Zaire Franklin 
and uh, some other guys as well. And obviously that defensive front's very good. But um, if the Giants can get that blocked up, I see that as an advantage. But once again, this is kind of why I say last week is a one-game thing. I don't want to say it's a mirage, but, you know, they did that against the one of the worst pass defenses in football, probably the worst. I can't really think who's number 32, but for the instance, we'll say, yeah, they're the worst pass defense in football. Um, they're weaker against the run, the Colts, and this is a game, once again, where you have two bad offenses, so you're probably not looking to score many points, and then the other side, yeah, this is one of the weaker offenses in the NFL, maybe the worst offense in the NFL. Um, so there's that. I personally think it's going to be more of a running type. Not that I want it to be, but I want the Giants to compile as many points, but I think it's going to be a ground game time of possession thing. Wink sending the blitzes. I mean, you're not going to have a Dory this week. It's kind of obvious unless they move him up to questionable, which would be great, but I just don't see it. Uh, so there is that. But you could definitely get uh, get after this Colts offensive line. I mean, Bernard uh, Rahman, he is a rookie out of uh, Central Michigan. I really didn't want him in the draft because I believe he opens his hips too early. And I just wasn't, you know, wowed by his film. Um, you know, he was taken in the third round. He's now their left tackle. They hope to be, uh, they hope for him to be the franchise left tackle. So there's that. But Quentin Nelson has played like trash all year. Same thing can be said for uh, Braden Smith, the right tackle, and Ryan Kelly, the center, which is interesting and they have a new right guard because guess what we took Glowinski off their hands so definitely send those blitzes uh confuse Foles obviously last time we saw Nick Foles was uh 2017 when he tore us up for like 300 400 passing yards so there's that but uh you know it's been a while since we've seen Foles it's been a while since you know Foles has played more than two games in a season so hey send up those blitzes uh, they do have some pretty good weapons, though. We'll talk about it in just a second. Uh, let's start with the running game with Zach Moss. Moss on the ground, 43 carries, 177 yards, 4.1 yards per carry. Obviously did well last week against the Chargers. Uh, he obviously came over in that Naheem Hines trade from the Bills. Brian Dable and some of the other guys know Zach Moss from his days in Buffalo. Um, I think Deion Jackson is also healthy, 191 yards on 57 carries, 3.4 yards per carry, one touchdown. So not a ton of production out of that backfield. Um, just a thing to look for uh, in terms of a player. Nick Foles, last week, 17-29, 143 passing yards, 4.9 per attempt, three interceptions. And he also suffered seven sacks. So if the Chargers, and I understand they got Bosa, they got Khalil Mack, if they can get to Foles that many times, the Giants should get there more than three. And I don't mean pressures. I don't mean quarterback hits. They got to get to him. Like, fucking take him to the ground while he has the ball. Maybe even force a fumble. Force some turnovers. That's going to be a big part of this game. Um, let's talk about their weapons just a little bit. Michael Pittman, he's about 146 yards away from having a thousand yard season not that it would equate too much but you know he's still a pretty good receiver only two touchdowns on the year 854 yards alec pierce 
Two touchdowns, 536 yards on a total of 35 receptions. Uh, he is a rookie out of Cincinnati. Uh, Paris Campbell has probably had the best year of his career. Three touchdowns, 529 yards. He had some health issues in the past, 54 receptions. Jelani Woods, uh, he was the main pass catcher last week. Three receptions, 43 yards. Even though Pittman had more receptions, more yardage for Jelani Woods. Uh, Jelani Woods, three touchdowns this season, 284 yards. He's been big in some other games this season against the Chiefs, uh, against the Jaguars. So, you know, there's some stuff to be had there. Um, Mo Alley Cox, two touchdowns, 185 yards on 18 receptions. And I think that pretty much does it for that uh, section. The defense is a totally different animal. DeForest Buckner is up the middle, and uh, the Giants have to be sturdy in pass protection. They have to handle the stunts. They have to handle the twists. They have to handle DeForest Buckner, who on the year is having a pretty good year. Uh, eight sacks, 25 pressures, 65 total tackles, nine tackles for loss, 18 quarterback hits, two forced fumbles, and a fumble recovery. You look at one side of the ball, that's Yannick Ngakwe, eight tackles for loss, 16 quarterback hits, a forced fumble, nine and a half sacks, 27 pressures. Uh, you could probably draw the conclusion he came over because of Gus Bradley. The same thing can be said about Brandon Faison, who we'll go over later. Um, Quiddy Pay, this season, six sacks, 17 pressures, 42 tackles. 10 tackles for a loss, 10 quarterback hits, and a forced fumble. Bobby Okariki, he has one pressure on the season, but is one of the top guys in the NFL in terms of tackles. Uh, he's got 129 on the year, two fumble recoveries, one forced fumble, five pass deflections. So he's had a pretty good year. Um, I'm also going to touch on real quickly, I'm going to put it on my screen right now because I didn't have it imprinted in the dock. That's Zaire Franklin. 150 tackles uh, amongst top linebackers in the league for tackles, two sacks, two forced fumbles, four pass deflections in 15 games, also five pressures and two quarterback knockdowns. In coverage, he hasn't been great, but you know, you're not really expecting that from Zaire Franklin or uh, Bobby Okariki. Let's go to the cornerback slash secondary room. A name we are familiar with, and he's still playing at a very good level, Stefan Gilmore. 11 pass deflections, 63 tackles, has allowed a 55.7% completion percentage. He's given up two touchdowns while intercepting two passes, 73.7 passer rating allowed. And then Rodney McLeod, who also we should be familiar with because he was a former Eagle. Seven pass deflections, seven tackles for a loss, 85 total tackles of pressure. He's given up a percentage... In terms of completion, 66.1. He's also intercepted one pass. Uh, while you have the high completion percentage and also 373 yards given up, his passer rating ain't too bad, 89.4. Um, two touchdowns. He's probably going to be covering running backs and um, Daniel Bellinger or any of the guys we have on the roster in terms of tight ends. I would maybe put him up against Lawrence Cager. I'm going to be honest. Um, you know, the Giants cut Chris Myrick. They have Van Nett. They have Daniel Bellinger. But in terms of a guy that could get open against safety is kind of that mismatch. I would include Cager a little bit more in the offense than they have in the last few weeks. Make it a diverse passing game. Where to attack? Uh, Isaiah Rogers on this season, he has 34 tackles 
in 15 games. He's given up a completion percentage of 58.6, 192 yards, which isn't bad, but he's given up three touchdowns, has an intercepted pass, and a passer rating of 113. So, you know, the passer rating is high. Obviously, some of the stats are good. Some of the stats are bad. So, you know, he's going to be likely in the nickel because um, they have a corner out in Kenny Moore, so he's going to transition to that spot. Hey, Richie James, listen, uh, don't drop too many passes this week that are crucial, and maybe you'll do some stuff. But Rodgers also has four fumble recoveries, one forced fumble, three pass deflections, and a tackle for a loss. And before we go to Brandon Faison, just a fun fact, because Rodgers I just talked about and uh, Landon Collins has been on this team for the past few weeks. DRC will be at the game on Sunday. So I thought that would be pretty interesting to put in. Um, and we talk about Brandon Faison as well, who has not had a good year. He also came over because of Gus Bradley. Um, on the season, he's got 23 tackles, 5 pass deflections in 14 games. He's been their number two corner mainly. Um, a 72.7 completion percentage allowed in coverage. Very, very different stats compared to last year. I mean, he gave up more touchdowns, but the coverage uh, was better last year in terms of the stats. The passer rating was lower. The completion percentage was lower. He gave up six touchdowns. He gave up one this year, uh, but the passer rating is higher at 108 and 23 tackles, as mentioned. So once again, I mean, he's the number two corner. Um, I don't know where they're going to play Stefan Gilmore. Maybe it's going to be on Darius Slayton, I would bet. But uh, that number two wide receiver spot, Isaiah Hodgins. Could you have a repeat week? Maybe. All right, let's dig into questions to answer. Will the Giants be more of a run-first team again? I very much see it, to be completely honest with you guys. Uh, this is a game where it's script and scrap. It's going to be, you know, a 90s-style game where it's going to be running and time of possession, all these different things. And I think it's more because... A, the defenses are good and the offenses are bad. So, I don't know what route the Colts will go, but I think Mike Kafka will lean run this game. And to be completely honest, I wouldn't mind if they go to the run to an extent, to an extent, not run the ball with Saquon 35 times like they did against the Texans because that will wear him out. I don't care if we rest him next week against the Eagles. Um, but I also wouldn't mind if they try to challenge the passing game a little bit, throw it to Hodgins against Faison, maybe challenge Stephon Gilmore, maybe not too many times, uh, challenge Isaiah Rodgers in the slot. So, um, yeah, I do believe the Giants will be more of a run-first team, but we can only see through results, and right now we can only draw conclusions. Will Saquon Barkley gauge over 100 yards? I don't think he's had a 100-yard game since that Texans game. Um, this game might be a game where Saquon Barkley needs to get over 100 yards, and obviously he's already, he's already clipped um, the Pro Bowl nomination. He's already got um, over 1,000 yards, so get an extra 100 and sit next week. That's what I say. Can the Giants limit Zach Moss if the Colts elect to go run first? Uh, that's something they'll have to do, and... You know, obviously things can get scary if Michael Pittman takes advantage of Fabian Moreau and maybe the pressure doesn't get there. But um, in terms of Zach Moss, we'll see what direction they go. But the Giants should watch him on the ground because maybe he does get 12 carries and, uh, I don't know, 90 yards, let's say, off the Giants' run defense. And maybe there's a difference in the game because of that. Um, and maybe they 
you know, stray away from it, but the Giants don't score points. So, you know, stopping the run is still going to be a pivotal part of this game. Um, but Landon Collins, Tony Jefferson, those guys have to do their part. Does Michael Pittman have a good game against Fabian Moreau? I think it's all about the way they play. I think you could play a little bit more man coverage than you did last week, and you could blitz more. That's my personal opinion. You could blitz more, take advantage of this, you know, crappy old line. And you know what? Sometimes maybe you don't have to blitz. Maybe you could rush just five, right? Maybe add Jihad Ward in the middle as an extra guy or Ryder Anderson. But, you know, Dexter Lawrence, Leonard Williams, and then on each side you got Kayvon and you got Aziz. So I'm looking forward to that. Who covers Jelani Woods? Probably Pinnock. Um, Jelani Woods is a physical type of tight end. Uh, his blocking skills aren't great, but, you know, the Giants still need to account for him being a major weapon and maybe one of Foles' favorites this game. How many times did the Giants get to Nick Foles? Um, they got to get to him more than three. More than three. I would love a repeat performance of what they did against Washington a few weeks ago where they got like five sacks. I was there, obviously, for the tie, and... It's going to be a big part of this game because the weapons are not going to matter if Nick Foles is under constant duress. And he's not a mobile quarterback. He's not. I mean, he could roll out a little bit, but if the Giants keep contain on him, if Kayvon gets there a couple of times, if Aziz gets there a couple of times, uh, you know, you damn well know that there ain't going to be much of a passing game for the Colts. And will the Giants win time and possession? In my personal opinion, like against Washington both times, uh, this is going to be that type of game. Time of possession, the Giants have to win. Uh, keys to win. Score points with a balanced offense. I agree with that. You can't overdo either unless they're working, but I would rather overdo passing than running. Uh, number two, apply pressure on the QB. Weapons won't matter. You know, Michael Pittman, Jelani Woods, uh, Paris Campbell, and Alec Pierce are not going to matter if Nick Foles is under constant duress. And number three, I guess, you know, what I said at the end of the question is the answer. When of time possession. I was thinking of, okay, protect Daniel Jones. But as I said, you know, that's a part of winning this game. But the time of possession thing is going to be major. It's going to be major. Overall, for a prediction of a score, I have the Giants going 24-14. This game has big implications. The Giants can punch their ticket to the playoffs. I will be there live in person tailgating at 8 a.m and i won't be out of jersey till later that night because obviously i'm going to a dinner afterwards but new york giants before we go into this interview with Derek larger just control your own destiny just win this game prove you could win this game without a dory jackson and xavier mckinney give yourselves that confidence and then when they do come back have that energy going through your head okay we played with some decent teams, even though the Colts aren't very decent. We played with teams without McKinney and without a Dory Jackson. Now that they're healthy, we can play with them even more, and they'll be on the field. So 24-14 Giants is my prediction. Let's go to the interview with Derek Larger from the Bring the Juice podcast. All right, so now we are on with Derek Larger of the co who is the co-host of the uh, Bring the Juice podcast. To start it off, Derek, what are your overall thoughts on the Colts to put it lightly monstrosity of a 2022 season? 
I mean, put a monstrosity of a season is just about right. Uh, the expectations that were going into this team before the season and then just to see it, you know, just go down the way it has is truly just been remarkable to say the least, uh, not in a good way. I mean, I, I can't even put into words just what has happened with this team. I mean, you've now went from a team that, almost looked like a sure thing to go to the playoffs. And now you have question marks at so many different things. I think there's been very few times in my lifetime that I've seen a team just go from, you know, so high expectations to just so quickly just falter and look like a, a complete disaster. So, I mean, it, it's been very odd to say the least of what has happened with this Colts team this year. Moving into that. Um, obviously there's been a number of quarterbacks. The Colts have went through Matt Ryan, Sam Ellinger. And then last week, Jeff Saturday made the move of going to Nick Foles. And, you know, yeah. the stats will give you the uh, three interceptions against the Chargers. They only scored three points. Were there any real positives that you picked out against Nick? Uh, well, against the Chargers for Nick Foles, I should say. Uh, not really. I mean, I wish I could say that's true. I think the only positive I could mention is that you actually have the threat of throwing the ball down the field. Now, uh, Matt Ryan very rarely did that all season, uh, even before he started, you know, getting injured after, you know, being sacked as many times as he was, uh, early in the season. You know, we, the Colts have just never had a vertical passing game most of the year. And it's, definitely hurt this team in a lot of different ways. Um, but at least now with Nick Foles, at least you have that option because he's willing to throw that, but it's not like it's really doing a whole lot for Indianapolis at this moment. I must ask before we go a little bit more into the offense as well, obviously it seems like the Colts are really not playing for anything. Maybe Jeff Saturday's coaching for his job, but in terms of the fan base, are they like, okay, this is just another game, you know, roof for losses for draft picks? I mean, what's the vibe around Colts Nation right now? The vibe around Colts Nation right now is definitely all tanking right now. Everybody want most of Colts Nation is saying, we want our guys to lose right now. We want to secure that, you know, top five draft pick and then, you know, see where that can lead up to in the draft. If we can maybe trade up, if we don't have to, I don't know. But most of Indianapolis Colts nation will tell you that they're, they're wanting these, this team to lose the last two games of the season. Cause then it could, you know, open some things up in April. Um, I will never sit here and admit to wanting to lose. I never like to lose. Uh, even if losing might be the only thing that you can do. I mean, like you said, the Colts aren't fighting for anything right now. There's nothing to fight for when it comes to these last two games, all it's going to do is just make you lose draft spots. If you win them. Uh, and at this moment in time, I don't believe that Jeff Saturday is coming back either way when it comes to either, even if he wins these last two games, but I mean, of course, you know, the Colts are going to go out there. They're going to try whatever they can and try to win this game regardless. But yeah, most of Colts Nation is telling you they do not want to win this game come Sunday. <laughs> yeah, um, 
Moving into that running back room, you guys obviously lost Jonathan Taylor for the year. Zach Moss looks like your head back right now, and the Giants are not very good versus the run. Do you think that's something the offense will take advantage? Well, I should say the offensive coaching staff. Do you think that's something they'll take advantage of uh, to take the load off Nick Foles, knowing it's his second start back and knowing that the Giants' run D is not very good? Well, I mean, all you have to do is look at the Colts' uh, game plan from this last this last week against the Chargers. Uh, the Chargers are the second worst team at stopping the run in the NFL. And the Colts decided Zach Moss is only going to run the ball 12 times in that game when he was averaging five and a half yards a carry. So yeah, Zach Moss was doing a fantastic job in the last game against the Chargers, but the Colts right now who have a new head coach who have a inexperienced young, uh, inconsistent play caller in Parks Frazier right now, they don't have an understanding of the identity of what needs to be done. I was screaming at my computer, at my TV, watching that game, doing my play-by-play, talking to my co-host Cody, saying, you know, why is it that this team is averaging five yards a carry right now and we're not running the football? So if you went into last week knowing it was the first time Nick Foles was ever going to play in a Colts uniform. And you knew then that the chargers were not good at the football at at stopping the run and you still didn't run the football. I don't think they're going to learn their lesson here against the giants who probably are a slight bit better at stopping the run than the chargers are right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, Michael Pittman is one of the best as we all know. How has Alec Pierce played in his rookie year? And I knew at least maybe once again, from an outsider standpoint, uh, Paris Campbell, you know, his career was up and down to start. Has he changed the trajectory of his career? Like, has this been one of his more productive seasons? Talk about Pierce and uh, Campbell. Yeah, starting with uh, Paris Campbell. Yeah, he's definitely changed the outlook from a lot of people on who he is as a wide receiver. Uh we, we've always known like his, he is an athletic freak and he's a guy that can outrun anyone. And his speed is something you have to take into consideration. Every time he touches the football, his only, his biggest problem was his reliability. And you know how it is. The best ability is reliability. And if you don't have that in the NFL, you're not going to stick around this year. He's played in every game. He has not been hurt. Uh, he hasn't had a freak injury and, You know, he's had times and amongst this terrible offensive year that we've had, there have been some moments where Paris Campbell has really shined and has kind of shown some people, okay, this kid's got something if we actually get him involved in the game plan. So it was very nice to see him do that as a Buckeye fan myself. I've watched Paris Campbell all throughout his career. I love Paris Campbell. I'm glad that he's doing well. We'll see if the Colts decide to re-sign him at the end of the year. And as far as Alec Pierce is, I mean, Alec Pierce definitely has some growing pains uh, to deal with. No doubt about it. He is one of the, I think they said one of the worst receivers at gaining separation when it comes to his routes. Um, But then again, I mean, what they're asking him to do, you know, a lot of times it's more just vertical routes and 
they're not getting him the ball very much at this moment in time. But there have been some games this year where Alec Pierce has, you know, put the team on his back. You know, in the Broncos game where we didn't end up scoring a touchdown. I mean, Alec Pierce had three catches on the last drive for us to go and take the lead in overtime. Uh, he had the game-winning catch against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, there, and he had a huge game against Dallas. He had two touchdowns, two huge grabs. I mean, Alec Pierce has shown that there's there is some big play possibilities when it comes to Alec Pierce. He's just a young player. You know, he's got to grow. He's got to learn to gain that separation. He's just never really had to do that. You know, when you're a 6'3 guy coming out of college and all you really know is how to run verticals, you know, that's that's kind of the problem you have when you're coming out of Cincinnati and you're not taught a lot of that. And now you're coming into the NFL where anyone can keep up with you really. So it's kind of one of those situations. He's just got to get better. And that's something you can teach is footwork and how to gain separation. But he has shown that he's got, he's got some big play potential for sure. Taking off a little bit of last week, uh, Jelani Woods was the lead pass catcher versus the Chargers. Should we expect some more targets going his way, being that maybe he's like a first favorite for Nick Foles, or is it could be could it be someone else this game? What are your thoughts? <laughs> I wish I could tell you, man. I wish really wish I could understand what the Colts are trying to do offensively. Um, I'm almost at the point where I'm starting to think that the guys who are actually giving us the best chance to win a football game are purposely not getting targeted because of the fact that they kind of want to do a tank job at this moment. Cause I mean, I've been saying it since, I mean, this has been evident since the beginning. I mean, Jelani woods is just a physical freak. I mean, the guy is just insane and it feels like every time he touches the football, some good things happen. Uh, I mean, even last week, you know, three catches for 45 yards. The kid can make some plays. And he's been doing it pretty much all year. I mean, he's the biggest reason why we beat Kansas City. Is one of the reasons why we beat Jacksonville. He's one of the uh, – he had a huge game, I think, against the Steelers. We had eight catches for almost 100 yards. You know, I mean, the kid's got some insane talent. Uh, just, again, I don't – his blocking is a little bit of an issue. And that's something that he's going to need to improve on throughout – his career and I'm sure with another off season, he'll get better at his blocking and that can make things work. But I mean, I, right now there's been times where they just don't get him involved in the offense. And it, it's again, just like a lot of people in this offensive scheme that I just don't understand why, you know, certain players just disappear when they're doing well, but then they just, they just don't end up getting targets after a certain point. So I wish I could tell you that, yeah, he's definitely going to get more targets, but he he goes a few weeks where he doesn't get targets at all, and then just one week, then he'll just go off. And, you know, I just don't know if that's going to be this week or not. Moving to something that a lot of people, this was like general knowledge a few years ago, that the Colts were like the model for like one of the better offensive lines. And now you go to this year, statistically, and it's only one statistic, uh, they've allowed the second most sacks in the NFL. What has caused them to collapse from a couple of years ago? It's it's probably the biggest question mark that we've been having all season. I've been like, what what is this O line? I just don't get it. I mean, you're right. Even two years ago, I mean, this was widely regarded as 
one of, if not the best offensive line unit in the NFL. And now all of a sudden it's like this, probably the worst when you look at it from a bunch of different metrics. Uh, I don't know, man. It's been a lot of different things. Um, I think we almost everyone is in compliance that Chris Strouser, the O-line coach has not been doing a very good job. Uh, we've lost a couple players over the span of the last few years and has really deteriorated this group in general. Um, you lose uh, Costanzo uh, a few years ago and his presence at left tackle has not been fixed yet. Uh, you lost a couple key pieces last year, Mark Lewinsky and Chris Reed, who were very key pieces to this offensive line that were always there. Chris Ballard decided to not resign either of them. So you go into this season, you're replacing your left tackle, you're replacing your right guard, and you failed to do both. You didn't do a good job of filling those holes. So that already made things very difficult for the Colts right off the bat. And then, uh, so I mentioned, you know, the offensive line uh, when it came to the O-line coach. I mentioned it with, you know, personnel decisions. And at the end of the day, I, I think it just also comes down to dudes not playing well enough. I mean, at the end of the day, I think it's sometimes I think people are like, there has to be a different out than that because like, you're like, these guys are playing at such a high level for so long. What happened? Well, I mean, I think it's sometimes just safe to say that these guys just aren't playing good this year. And I don't know why that is, but, you know, Quentin Nelson's played not good all year. Uh, Braden Smith has not played good for the majority of the year. Center Ryan Kelly has not played good for the majority of the year. So, you know, you just got these guys who are on these contracts that are just not playing up to their standard. And, I mean, even had Quentin Nelson – you know, coming out the other day, it was like, man, if I could give up my Pro Bowl uh, bid to somebody else on this team, especially on the defense, I would do it. And I'm like, yeah, you probably should, bro, because you're getting about to get paid $20 million next year. And if you think that's cool with how you're playing this year, I, I you better you got another thing coming. So there's, there's going to be a situation where I think whoever the GM is this offseason, if that's going to remain Ballard or if it's – going to be uh somebody else some contracts i think are going to need to be uh fixed up because your top three guys that you're paying a lot of money for are not doing a good job of protecting your quarterback and establishing the run identity that you have preached for years and years that that was your identity yeah and speaking of personal changes uh on the offensive line and all that sort of stuff. How has, um, I'm going to pronounce this really badly, but Bernard Raymond, I'm going to say it like that. How Ryman. Yeah. Bernard Ryman. Ryman. Yeah. yeah. It's all good. Uh, well, I mean, I, I thought he was just like every other rookie, you know, you, you brought him in. I mean, this is the problem, right? He was a little older when you brought him in. He's only had one year at left tackle. So he was a very raw guy coming out of the draft. And, He's very inexperienced and he's kind of small. You know, there's a lot of different circumstances that came out with him being there because I don't think the Colts anticipated him truly being the starting left tackle this year. I think they anticipated him just learning behind some guys and then, you know, next year maybe doing it. Once he got a little stronger, got a little fixed up and learned some mechanical things, then he was going to be all right. But, uh, 
you know, he had to get thrown into the fire right away. And he's, he struggled early in the year, but I think from a, I mean, take with it with you wish as a PFF grade. I know some people don't like it, um, but actually like over the last five or six weeks, Bernard Ryman has been one of the best off has probably been the best offensive lineman on this team over the last uh, several weeks, his pass grade outside of maybe one play a game. Uh, he, he ends up being very, uh, very solid actually. So, I mean, I, I'm, I'm, I'm impressed with Ryman, you know, it's not easy for, you know, a guy like that to be thrown into the fire in this sort of situation as he is, but he's handled it very professionally. He's handled it really well. And, I think that, you know, as the weeks have gone on and him getting more reps, I think he's just getting more comfortable with how it is. So I'm, I'm impressed with Ryman. I hope that he continues to improve and maybe he can be our left tackle for the next several years. That's what I'm hoping. Moving towards the defense a little bit. Um, they're probably, and this is not probably, probably it just is, uh, the better unit, better than the offense. Uh, it also seems like the talent's also a little bit better. Uh, do you believe that it's the talent on the defense what holds the unit together, or is it also the coaching as well? Because I know Gus Bradley, I think, is in his first year, he was with the Raiders last year. Um, I definitely think it's a little bit of both. Um, I would say that the uh, talent has definitely overcome things. Um, I would just say this, like, I think – Gus Bradley's scheme has not really worked when it came to turnovers. Uh, I think the Colts are, are one of dead last when it comes to forcing turnovers in the league. But then again, you've also been missing your turnover machine in Shaquille Leonard all year. You know, that kind of hurts when you're trying to do, make turnovers and we know the kind of turnover machine that he is, but uh, talent wise, I mean, it's done very well this year. I mean, and I, I cannot, I could go on forever about what this defense has done for this team. Uh, it's sad that we're having maybe one of the worst, if not the worst, one of the top three worst offenses we have ever seen in, in Colts history. Uh, if it wasn't for that, this is a team that this is a defense that could win any semi-competent offense, a championship. Like that's how good I view this defense. Uh, the talent wise, it's been there, right? The defensive line is really starting to come together. Ironically enough, the Colts are like what sixth in the NFL in total sacks this year. D doesn't seem like that at all, but they are so, amazingly enough. Uh, Gilmore uh, in the secondary has done wonders this year. He looks like, you know, the regular Stefan Gilmore. We all know uh, there's a lot of great guys in the secondary young guys that are learning uh, linebackers that have had to step in for uh, for Leonard while he's been gone all year. Bobby Okereke, who's top 15 in tackles again this year. Zaire Franklin, who's like sixth in tackles. I mean, the linebackers for the Colts are just turnover machines or tackle machines this year. I mean, it's been fantastic to see what this defense has done despite what the offense has put it through. But I, I will say, I definitely think the coaching has gotten better Throughout the year, I think they've done a better job of personnel and lining things up a little more for the defense versus what they were doing early in the year. So overall, I mean, this defense has just done a great job this season. 
Yeah, and I also saw in the injury report that Kenny Moore is going to be out. Who is going to be filling in for him at the uh, nickel corner position? Um, It'll be interesting to see what they do. I think they'd probably move Isaiah Rogers from outside to inside just simply because of the fact that Isaiah Rogers is, is much smaller. And I hate that that's most likely the option because uh, – I hate our number two corner who is Brandon face on. Uh, I hate that he even plays. Uh, he's been terrible all year. He's been one of the worst corners in football and yet he still plays a good chunk of the, the downs on defense. And it's been a pain in my backside all year to watch him play football on this team. But with Kenny Moore being out, I'd imagine that Isaiah Rogers is probably going to be, uh, taking over the nickel corner responsibilities in this game. I'd imagine that face on thing probably has a lot to do with Gus Bradley coming over. Yeah, I could probably imagine. And it, it shouldn't have, I mean, I, I don't know. I didn't know what to expect with Brandon face on when he came over. He wasn't that bad last year, but this year he's just been terrible, terrible. He can't tackle. He can't guard. It, it's just, it, it's bad. Going into further game prep, two X factors for the Colts on Sunday, one on offense and one on defense. X factors. Um. Well, I mean, the ultimate, the I would say the ultimate uh, way of getting it done is if you can spread the ball around. You know, I want, don't want to try to just, I want to try to attack the middle of the field, but at the same time, you need to be able to get it to your speedy guys out there on the edges and be able to um, get gain some space against this Giants defense. And I would just say on the opposite side, I definitely think that the defensive line uh, needs to be that X factor. You know, this defensive line has been getting better week in and week out, uh, despite some of the injuries they've had to sustain. Uh, DeForest Buckner has been getting involved a lot more in the defense since week five. Uh, Dio Dangbo has been getting, uh, has had five sacks in the last three games. Yannick Ngakwe has had five in the last three games. Uh, th this whole defense in general, especially the defensive line, has really been starting to get pressure on opposing quarterbacks. And, you know, obviously with the Giants, you know, having a uh, depleted wide receiver room and depleted of much talent outside of Saquon Barkley, you know, you need to take advantage of trying to get Daniel Jones under pressure, especially knowing he doesn't have a lot of options to throw the football to. Yeah. And then in terms of Colts weaknesses, what would you say the giant X factors are if you're playing against the Colts and identifying their weaknesses, one on offense and one on defense? Um, I would say offensively, uh, you definitely want to increase the pressure on Nick Foles. Uh, that has been a problem for the Colts all year. And especially if you get creative with the defensive line stunts, uh, that has been a problem all year with this Colts offensive line. Now I know they've kind of shored that up a little bit, but this last week they didn't look great against it, but the defense for the giants, if you want to, if you want to slow down the Colts offense, uh, you just need to find ways to confuse the offensive line to the Indianapolis Colts. If you can do that, you're going to have ways to get it open. And I would say for your offense, uh, look, everyone knows you're going to run the football with Saquon Barkley, but at the end of the day, 
I don't think that should deter you. I think you need to continue to run the fo- football with Saquon Barkley 30 times in this game. I know that that's something you try to not do uh, with a running back because, you know, that is a good way to wear somebody down. But the Colts, despite the fact their defense has been so good over the last uh, 10 weeks, you know, their defense, especially stopping the run, has not been great. Uh, They've actually allowed 100 yards rushing, I think, in four games straight. So, and the problem with that has been is that when the Colt the Colts offense has been off the field so much that the Colts defense gets tired over time because in the second half of games, uh, the Colts get run down because the offense doesn't stay on the field. Uh, last week against the Chargers, they went over twelve on third downs. They did not complete a third down all day. So the defense in the second half was on the field for over twenty for I, I think twenty plus minutes. Uh, in the second half, and they got worn down as time went along. So, especially in the second half, if you're the Giants, you w- I don't care who, whether or not you're up or down by a few points, you need to continue to run the football with Saquon Barkley, wear that defense down, and and that Colts offense is most likely not going to give the defense any time to recover. That's the most efficient way for the Giants to win this game is just running it down the Colts' throat. And where can people find you and your work, social media, podcasts, all that other stuff? Yeah, uh, you can find us on YouTube at uh, Bring the Juice Colts Podcast. We're on anywhere that you guys would listen to podcasts. You know, there's Spotify, Google, Apple, uh, YouTube, anywhere that you guys listen to, we're on there. Uh, my Twitter is at Derek underscore larger and the podcast Twitter is at BTJ pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Well, I appreciate Derek taking the time out of his night to talk Colts giants with me, like comment, subscribe to all the good stuff, follow their stuff on social media. And uh, from this podcast, from me to my followers, as well as Derek, Hope you guys have a happy new year, happy holidays, and we'll see you later. Peace.